This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. We're going to talk about being hungry for God. And um, in the context of a culture that is broken, a culture that is completely lost focus of what normal is, um, I think if we go out there and you walk around in the shopping malls and you, you're on TV and you're looking, all this stuff, we, we really think that we're together. But I, I, I have to, unfortunately, like um, Teach said uh, last Sunday, you know, 70% of people in South Africa are in a family that is without a father. We're a fatherless generation. We grab hold of things. We re- react. We... Um, are many times broken within ourselves as a people. And so um, as we become more hungry for God and as we begin to cry out to Him, there's a cry that's coming, a cry that says, first, Abba, Father, a cry that comes from here that the Holy Spirit wants to birth in your life and through your life, and um, a cry to really know Him, sometimes to say, just, Lord, I'm broken. I want to be vulnerable before You. I want to surrender because we're not here to play church. We're not just here to have fun and look at the nice girls or the nice guys because there are amazing girls and amazing guys in this church, you know, and it's, uh, can all the men say amen? Okay, when I speak about the girls, can all the girls say amen? When I, come on. Okay, it's just amazing. When people love God, marry people like that. Amen. So in any case, so Moses cried this. He said in Exodus 33, thank you, Paul, for your agreement there, 14 verse 15. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And then he said to him, if your presence doesn't go with us, do not bring us up from here. We are trapped, especially in churches like ours, with the prosperity gospel, a false hyper-grace gospel, a gospel that says, hey, you know, uh, look at the benefits of following God. And subtly, it's like, you know, if you look at the modern-day worship stuff, uh, there's actually a guy, uh, Jeremy Riddle, wrote the book, The Reset. And in that book, he, he writes, it's a very thin book, he writes and says, but you know that most of the big American worship bands are contracted to non-Christian companies, and they must perform and bring out CDs and DVDs. So even worship have become something like the world. It looks just like the world, entertainment, nice, nice, you know. And, uh, and yet many people don't recognize even that God's presence isn't in sometimes in that worship, in that there's not a freedom to say, Lord, are you welcome more than what people are welcome? And that should be the question in your life and in my life is, God, do you feel welcome? Do you feel pleased with my life? It's a tough question to ask because uh, we've been speaking about this this year, about the kingdom of God and what is the norm of the kingdom? What is the norm of following God? And when I read scripture, I don't know about you, but I, I, I get very convicted and I get very challenged because when I just read through the book of Acts or through the gospels of the life of Jesus, the life of the disciples, most of them died a martyr's death. Most of them said, we don't want to be crucified like Christ. We want to be crucified upside down, except John, who was uh, sort of exiled to Patmos. And there they tried to burn him in oil, and they couldn't. That's why he went to the island. And there, there he, he wrote the book of Revelations. Crazy stories of people that were hungry for God. They were testimonies. They were witnesses of Jesus. And so um, I think all of us, 
the biggest lie in this consumeristic gospel sometimes is like, hey, Jesus is here to patch up my life, to give me a better life. Because if I'm just a good person, then, you know, sharp, sharp, because all good people go to heaven. But the Bible says that God, you know, took us out of darkness into his marvelous light. I was dead and now I'm alive, <laughs> you know. Uh, this team of the YWAM team that was here, they, they really challenged me because we had a worship night um, there in the Inge church. And, um, and so I was sitting in between them. And so uh, this Gabriel, this big guy, some of you remember him, he made an altar call and said, hey, if you don't know Jesus, stand up, you know. And so after he was counting down from 10, and the first guy who stood up, you know, this whole team were just, they were all sitting. And the next moment when the first guy stood up, they said, yes, yes, miracle, you know. And then they went to sit down again. Now I'm sitting in between them, so I'm thinking like, oh, yeah. Second guy, yes, they went just like crazy, you know, like. And then I realized, but in heaven, there's rejoicing when one person who is dead becomes alive. Yeah, after the fifth person, I was also going, yes, yes, you know, I like that, you know, because we become religious around God. It's not patching up to give you a better life. I was dead and now I'm alive in Christ. Jesus doesn't fix people. It's not a better help scheme, encouragement gospel. It's, it's people that are dead that become alive. And that's why the greatest miracle you will see is when one soul turns to Christ. One person was dead. doesn't matter if you're the king of a nation or the president. If you're in sin, you are dead to that sin. You're a slave to that sin. And that's what Jesus came to do. He came to make us alive. And so Moses even says, Lord, I don't want to go. We don't want to go into the promised land and do all these great things if your presence doesn't go with us. Look at what David said, Psalm 16, verse 11. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In Psalm 27, verse 4, One thing I've desired of the Lord that I will seek, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To do what? To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. You see, the world lies to you and me and says like, yeah, 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 you know. Just God is actually boring. God is actually like a spoil sport. But he says like, hey, to behold the beauty of the Lord. I don't know if you've like stood on a mountain and you just go like, wow. You look at this view and you think like, wow. That is just like uh, one, zero point, one percent of the beauty of God. Because it says even creation declares who he is. And so we're being lied to because we have a consumeristic culture that just wants more, 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 more of quick entertainment and quick fixes. And the Holy Spirit is releasing among a lot of us just a greater deep desire to behold the beauty of the Lord, to behold him. It is, it's amazing, and um, I'm just so excited about what God is doing because a lot of young people are just beginning to say, hey, no, we, we don't want to be entertained in the house of God anymore. We don't want to just sing nice songs and then go home. We want transformation in our lives. We want the real Jesus, and, uh, and there's something happening, and if you're missing out, 
get ready, okay? The bride is making herself ready. We sang that. I'm, you know, we're getting ready. There's a cry of the bridegroom for the bride, the bridegroom to the bride, and then the bride to the bridegroom to say, hey, we're getting ready. We're preparing ourselves. The bride is making herself ready for his return. You know, I, I do weddings as a, as a hobby, you know? I've done 300, I think, in 360 over the last 20 years of working with students, and it is just every time. I, you know, th that bride, when she walks down that aisle and this guy is standing here, I just have to keep everything together because I think like, I'm going to be the first person to speak some words after this, you know, because I need to welcome the people. But that moment, if it's two Christian people that love Jesus, it's the most holy moment. And that bride walks down the aisle, and she only has eyes for the bridegroom. She's only, now I've got all the ladies' attention. I can see that. All the guys are nervous. They're like, oh, well, my Jona, you know, there's going to be a day. I don't know if I'm going to be able to breathe, you know. I always tell the guys, just breathe, okay? Breathe, okay, because they forget to breathe, you know. Especially those that don't stress at all before, you know. It's a sin to stress, we know, but the guys, that's the moment when they stress. Then that sweat is just coming, you know, and it's like, and then they stand there and they say, say, breathe, one, two, three, breathe, one, two, three. I just said, I just repeat it in your mind, you know, because it's just like, it's crazy. Just to be able to stand when that bride walks down. But it's so beautiful because it's that the beauty. There's something beautiful about that. And every day of your life, you're taking one step closer as the bride of Christ. Every week, every day as the church of Christ, we're taking one step closer. Matthew 5 or 6 says, blessed are those who starving of that's what the hunger means to starve of hunger and those who are perishing of thirst now in the context of which he wrote the scripture wasn't like they didn't have taps like we have you know just open up the water drink some water just hey do uber eats and goof there your food is everything is quick fixes when it tells us that blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be filled in the context of which these beatitudes were written. It is amazing. It is says like, hey, when you hunger, when you thirst for righteousness, it's like somebody walking through the desert. He hasn't got water or she hasn't got water. And then eventually they find. But you, 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 you just sort of go like almost crazy to, to find that water. The question is, is what desire do you have? What hunger have you got? Because you and I determine our hunger not God you determine your appetite not God and so what you keep yourself busy with and what you fill your life with if you fill your life with bad friends and bad friendships it's going to rub off on you if they're the people that fill you up you see, there's one thing of the human being that will never stop. It's desire. So listen to me. Maybe you're going to lose me here. But the biggest problem we do as the church is we tell people, just enforce your will to stop your desires. But you are going to desire. You are going to hunger. You've been made to hunger and thirst. So if you're struggling with pornography, I tell you one thing. Just to try and get your willpower to stop that habit in your life is not going to help you at all. Because the biggest problem you have is you have a will that needs to be surrendered. 
And that will needs to be surrendered to a higher will, which is the will of God. And so when you thirst for that righteousness, you, you, you don't stop your desire. You just change your desire towards God. And you say, God, I have a habit in my life and something triggers that habit. And then there's a process that I follow because I, something that habit fulfills something in my life. Maybe that pornography or that masturbation or whatever you fall into, it fulfills you because it gives you a quick fix. Typically, you get bored, you're in a boring situation, you're very stressed, and now there's a process in your mind. You go on Instagram, you go on this, and then suddenly you realize, like, I have a need for intimacy. And then you fall for sexual sin. Where's the problem? Right at the beginning. Because you didn't channel your desire and said, God, I have a need for intimacy. Will you please come and fulfill it? So the church makes lots of problems by telling people just like, hey, just be morally strong. Just fight. Let your willpower be strong. But the biggest thing of the cross is a surrendered will. That's what the cross is. Lord, not my will, but your will be done. And if we as the people cannot surrender, and we're going to try to be strong, enact your will, inform your will, press, you're going to just try so hard, but you're going to perform and you're not going to make it. You, you can't conquer. Because the problem is the pride in your heart and my heart is I want to fix it. And the moment when you and I humble ourselves, and we're going to talk about that a bit later, then God's fullness can kick in. So what will really satisfy us? That's the question. When is enough enough? Do you want more? What, what is that more in your life? What are the desires that's on the end of what you're doing in your life. Maybe it's to make more money. Maybe it's to have fame or reputation. But Jesus came to tell us, hey, that's, that's never going to fulfill you. Let me tell you straight. It's never going to fulfill you. Uh, there's a guy called John Ortberg. He makes this joke. He says, or the story, he says, which one is the most, you know, says I don't want more. The guy with 12 children or the one with 20 million in the bank account? The guy with the money is definitely going to say, like, I want more, I want more. The one with the 12 children is going to say, I don't want any more, <laughs> you know. But whatever is, is that thing, that hunger inside of you, that, that thirst, what do you thirst for? What do you hunger for? When is enough enough? You will have desires. God has made you to be a worshiper. You will worship something. I will worship something. It's either going to be God or it's going to be the people around me or it's going to be my degree or it's going to, I am going to be worshiped because I've been made in the image of God. I've been made in this place of great desire and hunger. And you're either going to fulfill it with the things of the world or you're going to truly fulfill it with God's presence and his life and intimacy. So the question, Luke 10, verse 38, is Jesus answered and said to Mary and Martha, 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 you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. Are you distracted? Are you worried? Are you really enjoying Jesus? It is so simple, but it is so profound. <laughs> because we get very religious, eh? We think because we have a nice band that we're not religious. But dead religion is where you try in your own strength to be a good, great, moral Christian. You think like, 
hey, our band is better than the band around the corner, you know. <laughs> you know, have you seen Remo? You know, just such a cool guy. He's got a cave, and it's this week, it's this way. That week, it's this way. And his surname is? Baeza Bazigalupo. With a surname like that. Can you believe it, you know? It's, it's true. Just say it again. Baeza Bazigalupo. You know? Sounds like heavenly language, you know? Say he's next to the angels, you know? Just amazing. The question is just like, hey, we are so distracted. So David even prayed. He said, Lord, unite my heart so that I can fear your name. It's a good prayer to pray as a Christian. Father, let my whole being be united to worship you. Because I'm so distracted. There's so many things wanting my attention. I, there's such a busy lifestyle. We all say that. You know, people ask you like, how are you doing? You say like, wow, busy. Eh? I'm very busy. How many of you say that? Come on. But we actually fall in a trap. Why? Because then we make that as an excuse not to spend time with God. Because we fall all of our schedule. But if... Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Sure, you better get into his word. You better spend time with Jesus because it's the best thing for you. And when you spend time with him, do you know what's going to happen? He's going to multiply your time. It is just amazing. But we fall for this lie that I must just become, you know, it is just busy. So maybe I must just spend two minutes. But hey. There's a lot of time you and I waste every day. So get yourself a little small Bible, and when you sit on the white throne judgment there in the day, then just open it up for five minutes or print out some scriptures and just read scriptures. You've got lots of five minutes everywhere through the day. And that's why not just having a quiet time, but having time all the time through the day, that's the freedom to just say, God, you're with me, and you begin to live an intimate lifestyle with him. Because you say, God, I hunger for the one who can fulfill me. These things of the world cannot fulfill me. That relationship I'm in will never be able to fulfill me. Because if I'm going to think that I'm going to marry that great lady, and even she's in love with God, if I think she is going to fulfill me, I'm going to get into big trouble. Because you know what? She's a human being. And she cannot fulfill the things in your spirit and your soul. She cannot restore you. She cannot heal you. She cannot give life to you. She can walk the road with you, which is beautiful. It's called covenant. But if you make an idol of that lady or that guy, you're going to start to control them. You're going to start to manipulate them because you're going to want something from that person that only God can give you. You know, I, I hear it often. People come to church and say like, you know, those shofar people, you're not shofar. They don't really preach the word anymore. So I'm going to go to another church. You know, they don't really preach out of the Bible. So you're deceived. Because the church here on a Sunday is just a celebration of your Bible study all week, of the testimony in your life all week. Please don't come here, and I'm saying it with a lot of respect, to get a little bit of a cocaine injection and then you think you can make it through the whole week. If you're a new believer, get into the Word. Do Bible study. You, it's your responsibility. This is not a place for Bible study. We have Bible school and we have great stuff that we do, all the programs. But the buck stops with you. <laughs> Me. 
I am responsible for my own spiritual growth. Nobody else. Whoa. Yes, the church is there. The fivefold ministry people like me are there to equip you for the work of the ministry and the pastors, Eugene, and lots of people. That's why we have church and local church is the answer to establish people and to have a family and a community and a fellowship. And those are all great things. But you know what? You need to have your time with God yourself. Don't be light. You know? But distractions, Mary, Martha, Mary, Martha. I'm just busy, Lord. Because, hey, listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 4 with the woman at the well. When the disciples come and they want to give him food. And then Jesus says, verse 32, but he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Because I said, are you not hungry, Jesus? You haven't gone with food for a long time. He says, therefore, the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. May that be our prayer. As Shofar Stellenbosch, Lord, my food is to do your will and to finish your work. Wow. Jesus saw it like his daily bread is to live in community with the Father and to do the will of the Father, to live a life that's obedient, not a life that's just a consumer. Because, hey, I'm going to church on Sunday. No, you are the church. <laughs> Church is not what happens here. You are the church. When you get together in your small group, that's when church happens. When you walk on campus with a friend of yours, that's when church happens. That's when God wants to use you. That's when he wants to show himself through people that love other people. And the disciples were quite amazed. They said, what's happening here? Jesus said, I have food of which you do not know. It's like my daily bread is to do the will of the Father. Wow. You know, we went, and uh, some of you have heard this story, we went to the nation of Iran. And, um, and so uh, we went to, like, go and pray and intercede. So what happened is, for I think two weeks, no, just 10 days, we were in this one house just locked in the, in the bottom areas because there's a persecuted church. So the, one of the fastest growing churches is in the nation of Iran. And so we were, like, locked down, all the shutters closed for 10 days. And they don't have the privilege that we have to meet like this. this. This is a massive privilege to worship like this. Don't for one moment think that you're doing God a favor by coming to church. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, it's a privilege. It's a privilege to worship corporately together. This, this, is, this, is, not a, this is not just a nice gathering. There people die for doing something like we're doing here this Sunday. And so we're sitting there and we're thinking like, yo, Lord, we're going to pray these fancy prayers. <laughs> and I'll never forget it. The Lord said to us, you are not going to pray with your words. You're going to pray with your tears. And that first morning we have our fancy songs, pulling out our fancy songs. <laughs> and after the, there was this one guy, he was quite a macho guy, you know, one of those guys that I've never seen him cry before. So... After the second song, I just hear out of the corner, because I, I saw him lying there on his knees just before God. And he just started to weep, like uncontrollably. And the next moment, the Holy Spirit just came, and we just started to weep. We wept for three hours. I, I didn't even know I had so much tears inside, you know. <laughs> I was thinking, like, where does all this water come from, you know. <laughs> Am I connected? You know, what's happening here? Yeah? Streams of living waters will come from your innermost being. I was thinking like, wow, this is really happening, yeah? 
But that day I learned that it's not your fancy words in prayer. It's your surrender to God. It's your giving over to Him. But see, we, we become masters of holding things back, you know. Because we, we consider all our options, but then those options become idols in our hearts. And the Lord is taking the church through a season where he says, I want all of those idols. I want you to have a circumcised heart. A circumcised heart just means this, I'm wholly devoted to him. I'm wholly surrendered to him. And some of us use excuses. Some of us think we're not good enough. But if God says something over your life, why do you disagree with what he says? There's a Reinhard Bunker. How many of you have heard of Reinhard Bunker? Okay. He was a big evangelist, died, I think, two years ago. And he tells the story of how he's sitting, you know, on the stage, and there's a lot of presidents, and they all introduce the presidents, and they think like, okay, now it's, it's going to get to his turn. And so he thinks like, what's, you know, what is he going to say, you know? So it comes to his turn, and he just stands up, and he says, I'm a son of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And then he sits down. And everybody goes like, yeah. But, but I want you to think about this. If God calls you and me to be sons and daughters of God himself, it's the greatest privilege. But what does that mean to be called the son of God? It means like, the Lord who created the universe and who measures the stars in the palm of his hand, that massive God, huge, omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient, who knows everything, who's all-powerful, who's outside of time, he says, that guy, Mike, is my son. <laughs> wow. And I have the privilege to present him in a broken world. But see, the devil lies to you. He lies to me and says, like, ah, oh, you're not good enough, you know. Because you know what? Dale, he's like cool. Because, you know, it's his birthday. And so that's amazing. And, 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 and just like, you know, he has like, he has a smile. He's, he looks like an, an angel. So obviously God just prospers him more, you know. Because, like, hey, he's just great, you know. He's blushing, but don't worry, you can't see him. But uh, we, we actually get into jealousy, striving, performance, all of that stuff because we fall for the lies of the devil. We think they're just some special people in the kingdom of God, and obviously God uses them. But listen to this in James 4, verse 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. It's not like, oh, uh, he's going to check his busy schedule. Then he's going to go on, on, on you know, his um, Google Maps and see if he can find where you already are and whether he can travel there quickly enough. And then he's going to look into like, ah, oh, you know, I really don't have time uh, for Ivan, you know, because, oh, you know, he's just like this or that. It says the moment when you draw near to him, he promises you he will draw near to you. Who draws first? You. Why? Because he will never override your will. There's a love principle. He will never force himself. 
And so the moment when you and I begin to call out to him, the moment when you just say, wherever you are, you know, we, um, my children are a bit older now, but when they were small, we always told them, whenever you're in trouble, just cry out to Jesus. And this story is just between the two of us. Is that all right? Okay. They're not, yeah, well, the one that did this was not, he's not here. But so, so one night, 2 a.m., I hear a shout. Help! Jesus! Help! And I jump up. I just run. And there this one child was sitting on the toilet. A bit of constipation of two days. But this was just literal. Jesus help, yeah? I went over. I said, I loose in Jesus' name, and I bind. You know, there's like, no, I'm joking, I'm joking. I didn't do that. But um, <laughs> but it's amazing. If you tell children to do that, just cry out to Jesus. Wherever they are, they just start to pray. There's, there's no, they don't wait for a prayer meeting to pray to God. They just like, any moment of the day. Why? Because there's a purity, there's a hunger, there's a desire, and they've not been contaminated by the things of this world. They've not been like hardened in their hearts. So children just do it amazing. We all love these small children. They're just like, they're always, they're always like searching. They're saying what's going on, and, and they're always looking. Why? Because there's something inside of them. There's a hunger to grow. There's a hunger to discover, and it's so beautiful. Why do we lose that when we grow older? Because of the cares of this world, the things of this world, the lies of the father of lies. And tonight some of us are going to be set free here because God's invitation is open for you and I to come closer. To say, Father, I want to crowd Abba Father. There's some of you that never heard that he really loves you. He really loves you. But he's not going to get off his throne to come and drag you. He says, yeah, the door is open. Come. Come through my son. Come through the blood of Jesus. Come boldly. Come. Don't stop outside the door. Draw near to God. And so it starts with a surrender to give over your wills. A couple of things. How do we draw near? You need to learn to surrender. And it is difficult. Any perfectionist among us? Raise your hand very high. All the perfectionists. Okay. You want everything. You, you want to know the outcome before you engage. Come on. Anybody like that? Raise your hand very high. You want to understand. You, you want to know the plan before you start. We are conditioned to do that in our culture. And the Lord says, will you trust me? You see, because we want the shortcuts. We want the benefits. And that's why this modern gospel that many people preach that there's no repentance in that gospel there's no sacrifice, there's no suffering in that gospel, is dangerous for the church. Because people get offended with God because they want to do this with Jesus. Come, Jesus. Come. Get off your throne. I'm more important than you. And God's primary focus is not the need of man. God's primary focus is His glory. 
And you will be short circuit, not sure, you will be sold short if you think that really, that primarily your relationship with God evolves you. It's all about you. And that's why he says, come, I want to show you my glory. I want to show you. I want to show you, you the beauty of my holiness, but you need, to, you need to let go. He calls Abraham out. And he says, Abraham, come out of the Ur of the Chaldeans. Most of us would say, okay, Lord, 10-point <clears throat> plan. Show me the promised land. Show me the benefits. You know, and, and no Dorper sheep, just Merino sheep, you know. I want, um, you know, waggy steaks. I don't want, you know, this other type of steaks around there. The waggy steaks, they, they're the best. Show me all the waggy cows. Show me like waggy here, waggy there. Show me all this. Show me all that. You know, show me the benefits. And God doesn't tell Abraham where to go to. He doesn't tell Isaac what's going to happen, uh, Abraham what's going to happen when he has to sacrifice his own son. He says, just come. We're going to worship on the mountain. And so for three days, he walks up with his own son. And the son says like, dad, where's the sacrifice? He says, we're going to worship. God will provide. Stop asking God to show you where you're going. Live by faith and obedience right now. Because a consumeristic culture always wants the answer. We, we want to we know how this is going to work out. And you know what God wants is he just wants your obedience. Because just take one step at a time. For some of us it's small steps, but it's the most amazing adventure. I promise you it's not boring. The biggest lie that the devil tells Christians is like, God's life is actually boring. You see, when you walk up into the mountains, God showed me this picture as I was preparing. And um, Ben Jason, who's playing for Varsity Cup, we actually had a cup of coffee in, this week. And so, um, so we're chatting. And as we're chatting, God showed me this picture. He says, if you walk in the field and there's this beautiful flower... You don't, don't look at it from a distance. Something beautiful attracts you to that thing. So you stop and you go like, wow. And then most of us go like, wow. <laughs> Hello, mom, grandma, look what I found. And then you can't even see the flower because you are in the, you know. But we're all attracted to that beautiful thing. We all want to go closer. But the devil says to us, no, God, God is actually just this old man up there. And so your perception of God will determine how close you can come. That's why the devil lies and he's called the father of lies. So how do we do it? We surrender. The second thing is you have to get yourself into a habit of thankfulness. The toughest thing, all of you are going to be hopefully parents one day. The toughest thing you have to tell your children all the time is, say thank you, thank you, yeah. say thank you mom for the foods, thank you dad. What do, what do we say? Thank you. Because a consumer entitlement environment sees everything as a right and not as a gift. The Bible says in James 1, James 1 verse 7, it says, Every good and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation nor shadow of turning. Everything good in your life, Ian, comes from God. 
Never, never think that your intellect, this, the money you have in the bank, the people you know, don't ever think it comes from your own well-being or goodness. Because Jesus redefined goodness in its own sense. Everything that's good in your life comes from God because he is the perfect father. And so to know the presence of God, and that's what Moses said there right in the beginning, to know the presence of God with us is the greatest privilege. To see one soul saved into the kingdom of God is the greatest miracle. And we take those things for granted. The other day when I was sitting there with these YWAM group, I took it for granted because I realized, like, I don't rejoice anymore when somebody comes to Christ. It's just like, hey, let's just go through the motion. But that night, God switched something on in my heart again and said, like, hey, this is the greatest miracle you will ever see if one person. It's the only reaction that we find directly a reaction in heaven is when one person turns to Christ. Hallelujah. Can I get an amen? amen? Okay. Turn to your neighbor and say, to see somebody born again is the greatest privilege that you will have this side of eternity. Cool. Some of you are getting excited. So, <clears throat> thankfulness, the Bible says there, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything through prayer and supplication and with thanksgiving. Just go read the scriptures. Everywhere it says, there's some scriptures on there that you can go and read talks about thanksgiving, thanksgiving that comes from, a grati from gratitude of like, hey, I'm not entitled to this. It's all a gift from God. Because then you can become a worshiper. The people in the Old Testament, when they would go into the tabernacle that was built, the first place, the first thing they had to do, they had to go through the gate of thanksgiving. Because if you are not thankful and not a worshiper, then you always, your needs are going to look greater than God. Your fears are going to become greater than God. But the moment when you say, Father, I thank you that I can just know you today. I thank you that I can be a part of what you're doing. I thank you that your presence, in your presence, there's fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. The moment when we worship, that's why we start services with worship, not to warm ourselves up to listen to the short man a little bit later or somebody else, you know. Hey, why are you like laughing, Tao? We're not warming ourselves up. Worship is it. Worship is it because we're declaring who God is, praising is saying, whoa. You know, there's a word for worship that says, actually it's called pro, 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 no, you must help me, Ramo. Prokush, no, something like that. It's Greek. It just like sounds like his surname. But in any case, so it says it comes to come towards to kiss. To come towards God, to say, God, I want to be so intimate. That's the yada, the word of sexual intimacy. That he says in Matthew 7, verse 21 to 22, he says, Many will do signs and wonders in my name. Many will go to church and do great stuff in my name, but depart from me because I do not know you. It's the word yada. Same word in marriage, sexual intimacy between a man and his wife. Same word. To come towards, 
to hunger, to thirst. Thankfulness is a simple key that will show you what your relationship is like with God. But self-pity, focusing on yourself, the devil will make your circumstances and your fears and all this stuff always look greater than what you actually have. And your fulfillment will never be in things or in people. It's in the presence of God. It's in knowing him. It's in living. And that's why you can see Nick with no arms, no legs, born like that. For many years he struggled and said, God, why did you make me like that? And then he says, it's for my glory. Then he talks about thankfulness and the joy of the Lord. And he goes all across the world and tells people about who Jesus is. They think like, how is that possible? That a man without legs, you know, why, how would I have responded? I would have been miserable. I would have said like, Lord, no legs, no arms. But that is supernatural. That's a miracle we saw there. Go tell the world about who Jesus is. That's fulfillment. Somebody that's found that Christ is everything. What's your excuse? To go tell the world that Jesus lives. Hey? Yes, it's Olvain. The other night, I just want to honor you, you know. Standing at the, I was standing at the back, and then he said there at the men's camp, he says, takes this wheelchair, and he says, that wheelchair is the best thing that has ever happened to me. That's a different gospel. Because if you've met Jesus, that's the greatest thing you will ever know. Because why? It creates an eternal mindset. Because watch him run in heaven. And maybe, hey, maybe you're all going to walk here, but you're going to run in heaven. <laughs> Definitely. Sprint before the throne room of God. Amen? I wonder if it's going to be Iron Man's, you know, in the... In the because the Bible talks about the sea, the crystal sea, you know, of glass in front of him. So maybe you're going to swim today because Iron, Alvin does Iron Man. But when you look at a life like that or you look at a life, and I showed it on purpose with Nick, is, he says, I, I want to tell the world about this one who's fulfilled my soul. We're being lied to in our culture. Our culture is fraught, Josh. What is fraught in English? Fret. Stinky. The last thing quickly, and we need to wrap up 1 Corinthians 2. If you want to grow close to God, you need to be humble. You need to be teachable. Never stop growing. There's an ugly thing in this town. It's called intellectual and spiritual pride. And it's a stronghold over this town because people ask you like, hey, what are you studying? As if a degree determines who you are. I'm not saying degrees are bad. But if you stop being teachable, you cannot receive. Listen to this in 1 Corinthians. It says, These things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. So he's just listed a lot of things and spoken through them. But he says, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. 
And you must go and read that because God uses foolish things of this world. Anyone here ready to be a fool for Jesus? Say, come on, Lord, use me. If God can use a donkey, pick me. Yeah. But you know what we do is we try to pretend, we try to fix our lives before we come to God. And God says, I want your brokenness. I want your vulnerability. Don't pretend. And the good news is just between the two of us again is there's a lot of other broken people in this room that is not perfect, that's still sin, but we're hungry for God. And each one of them, if you would ask Rikus, he will spend three hours on just telling us all these weaknesses. No, no, no. Let's ask his wife. She will tell us all these weaknesses. I mean, that's why God gives you a wife sometimes. It's just a mirror. But sometimes we come in here and we really pretend as like, hey, everything is cool. We're these perfect people, but we're not. And that's why it's so important that you walk in relationships and you have confession. Because teachability starts with confessing your weaknesses, confessing your sins. The Bible says in James 5 verse 16, it says, confess your sins to one another so that you can be healed. He doesn't say, confess your sins to God so that you can be healed. Confess your sins to God, yes, so that you can be forgiven. But how will your healing happen is when you confess your sins to one another. This John Ortberg guy says it so beautifully. He says, hey, that's why we have small groups. They have a motto in their church. Join a small group or die. I like that. But see, we are all, we're all very afraid to commit in relationships. Why? Because we're good at pretending. We, 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 we become masters of controlling our image, our reputation. Facebook, Instagram, we're being lied to that says you must be perfect and tell the world how great fun you have. We have this family member. I really trust she's not listening in. But um, that has all these photos. And... Ew, before those photos come on, they are like all the curves are cut out. All the eyes have got different colors. It's just like, I think like you spent hours just to do image management. But see, spiritual things are spiritual. And God invites us to say, hey, just be real. And Part of that teachability and humility is to start by saying, God, just be real. I just want to be real with you, and I just want to be real with people around me. Church should be the safest place for broken people. And I want to tell you, I'm speaking it prophetically, that here you can confess your sins. <laughs> Repent of them, but there's no shame in this house because Jesus loves sinners but we need to walk away from this ugly culture that we're in because this people many of you are part of a culture where there's the most lonely people that has ever lived most depressed most anxious most fearful generation that has ever lived because we've fallen for the lie of distraction and keeping our lives so busy that we cannot worship the one who's transcendent.
your will has been made to worship him your will has been made to surrender that's why the cross is so powerful jesus says not my will but your will so God wants you to surrender that because some of you are trying too hard. Some of you are performing. Some of us are striving. Some of us are really, it's ugly because we, we burn ourselves trying to get to this goodness where God says, come, I want that will. I want that in control. I want that surrender. Will you stand with me tonight? Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.